listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I am Carlos Noche and I'm joined by my awesome podcast partner, Lisa Schneer. Say hi, Lisa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about AI. Yep, that hot topic, artificial intelligence. But I like to focus on AI from a business perspective. What are some of the best practices? What are some of the risk factors? And what are some of the unintended consequences? And to help us out with this very hot topic today, we have Nelson Vega, the field CTO at Espressive, a pioneer in AI for enterprise service management, redefining how employees get help by delivering exceptional, exceptional employee experiences. Nelson, thank you for taking the time today and welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Carlos. It's good to be with you guys today. Glad to have you. All right, Nelson, way do we get our audience to know you a little bit better is I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast, what is something that you are passionate about that those that only know you through work or business would be surprised to know about you? Well, I don't know about surprised to know about me, but one thing that I'm very passionate about and all joking aside is that I'm very passionate about embracing like a growth mindset in my life. And there's going to give you more on that a little bit later, but at the end of the day, it's really about positivity, taking on challenges, embracing them to be able to leverage them to improve your life, improve the life of those around you. And I apply that whether it's in business or if it's in sports and things of that nature is I'm trying to, Carlos, you and I are flexibly <laughs> golfers, but I've actually stuck with it. And it's one of the, those things I look at each round as something that I learn from and try to improve from. And I try to apply that along the way in everything that I do. And one thing that I'm really indexed on now hard is also at this stage of my life also is trying to develop young leaders, picking them up when they're kind of down on them themselves, giving them clarity and, and sharing, you know, even stories about guys like how you and I have managed our careers and our life challenges and so forth and embrace those to actually have better outcomes. So I know it's a mouthful, but that's just really where everything is centered in my life right now. Amazing. Well, that's <laughs> admirable as something I'm also kind of a mentor, as particularly for women in revenue roles who are trying to work their way up into management positions or or even just like individual contributor positions. But um, very passionate about that as well, Nelson. So really happy to hear that. So can you tell us a little bit about what makes Nelson Vega Nelson Vega? What's your story? How did you end up here? For my story, I know you're Canadian, I think we were discussing earlier. <laughs> I'm actually Cuban and I know I don't look it. Like Carlos and I both have that sort of thing in common. Although I was actually born in Cuba. You look at me and I I look like I'm maybe Canadian or from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> There's a rumor that I'm not really Cuban that when I was going through immigration, they only had the words Cuba available on the keyboard. So they went ahead and made me Cuban versus Canadian, but I'm joking about that. <laughs> I'm actually an immigrant. I was actually born in Havana, Cuba. And I came over as an infant and I've had that experience in my life where I grew up, you know, when I first came over from Cuba, I lived in, in New York City, very, very close to Yankee Stadium. I didn't know it because I was an infant, but I lived basically um, among Latinos, you know, let immigrants from places in Latin America, as Carlos's parents also experienced as we live among each other because it's easier that way. 
But I lived in New York City as a young child, eventually moved to Southern California for a couple of years, which did a lot of shaping in my, even the way that I speak, because I actually didn't even speak English until I was around five. Uh, I had broken English. I remember, I kind of remember showing up from New York City down in Southern California towards California, for those of you that are familiar with, with SoCal. And I remember not really being able to communicate very well in English. And I had all these tall, blonde California women looking at me like probably wondering, is this kidnapped or what's his story? He's blonde and he's, he has light eyes and he can't speak English. And I was sitting among immigrant children that were learning English and they taught me English or so I learned the English language really and how to speak it properly in Southern California. And then I eventually moved to Miami like most Cubans do. And I, my formative years were really in South Florida and the Miami area and various areas there. After I graduated high school, I listed into the U.S. Navy, which I think was one of the more impactful things that I did in my young life. The Navy has a tendency, or the military in general, but I'll just speak to the Navy, is to have a tendency to shape you in the way that you think, the way you communicate, resiliency, communication skills, learning, and also leadership skills. They teach you how to not only be led, but become a leader and a developer of talent within your ranks. This is the way it works. You start here, and then as you grow up, your job is not only to do your job, but to create others that can do the, the job. And I think that that played well into, as I transitioned over into my civilian life, where I was, I started in the field, in the technical side of the business and hardware, and then transitioned to software. And that's where Carlson and I met. We were both sales engineers at a CRM company, Clarify, that was eventually acquired. But I've been in various roles, whether it was technical roles such as the developer, a very bad one, by the way. It's why they, I'm not, I didn't stay as a developer. Sales engineer, I was also a, I was in sales operations, customer success. Eventually, I was the CEO of a software company. I was CTO of a software company. And I purposely put myself into those different roles to be able to experience all those things and continuously develop. I didn't want to be just in one swim lane, whether it's sales engineering or sales or whatever, I wanted to be able to experience different things just to continuously challenge myself and continue to learn the industry. I don't know if that's what you were looking for, but that's really the story. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that's a great story. Yeah, like Nelson, I learned how to speak English at age five in New York, but my ex-wife would say, I still haven't mastered it. So I'm working on it. <laughs> and hey, folks, Nelson is one of my dearest friends, a mentor. And this podcast came from, we were just having a conversation about AI, its complexity. And I thought, man, it'd be great to have him on the podcast to kind of just share this with others. So Nelson... When we talk about this AI, it's like this big buzzword this year. It seems to be more popular than ever. Maybe I'm just catching on. Can we start with, can you help us in your view, can you define AI for us? Yeah, so let me contextualize something you just said there. Because what artificial intelligence is and AI is really more than a buzzword. Guys, this is a, the way that I tell the story to people that I hang out with, whether it's playing golf or work or whatever, or even people that my neighbors what happened in November of last year was the equivalent of a meteor hitting a planet. And I'm not overselling that. I think that the impact of a technology and its ability to ripple through society, business, and just things in general in such a short period of time, 
I think there, there's nothing that I've experienced in my life that has been so powerful. I've heard some people say, oh, web, no, this is like the web. No, no. I think that the, the internet and the web took years to be synthesized, ingested, and manifest itself into people's lives, right? The people that even learn how to get on the internet, right? Artificial intelligence, you don't have to go looking for it. It's finding you and it's being uh, thrown upon you and it's impacting people in a much, much quicker way because businesses are embracing them and imposing it on their people or allowing their people to leverage it, but also society in general is being impacted by it in good ways and arguably in some ways, very, very, very in a negative way. So back to artificial intelligence, right? Look, I think that it's such a topic that it can be very, very generic and nebulous, but I don't want to do that. I think I want to make it it actionable. So as AI relates to the topic that we're talking about, guys, I think that we need to further define it to generative AI, so generative artificial intelligence. And let me just try to demystify that for you. Really what generative AI is all about, it's really about the algorithms that are being used. And there's different algorithms used in different elements of AI. But let's talk about generative for a second. It's really about around the algorithms to generate new content that I would say mimics how humans write, uh, how humans kind of even communicate, mostly in the written word right now, but you'll see a a generative AI also manifesting itself in the spoken word or whether you can hear it. It's also, this algorithm also allows it to understand written utterances. And in in the AI world, humans are having utterances. We're having an utterance right now. And then there's an intent behind that utterance. So this algorithm, generically speaking, also allows it to understand the utterance of human beings and enables a platform or application that's embracing AI to respond in a written way and also to analyze things like text and documents, questions that are posed, which is the common one that you see with ChatGPT. But it's also able to give you additional examples to use these algorithms to review and understand the intent in emails and documents, et cetera. And then also generative tools like ChatGPT and GPT-3, which is the algorithm behind it, has really transformed the way that sales teams are now approaching day-to-day tasks. There's a lot of promise behind it, but so let's talk about the element of generative AI versus just generic, because I think that that's the one, Carlos, that is really the most impactful today as it relates to the functional teams that you interact with. Perfect. So where do you think we are, Nelson, in the evolution of AI? Are we early, we mid, we late? Are like, how much of this work happened before it was publicly known? Oh my God, there's decades of work that preceded all this, right? Again, I'm using November of last year as that uh, moment for that meeting with the planet. It's been decades of research and incredible work that's been done by data scientists, computational linguists, data engineers, you name it. Where are we? We're in the very early stages of AI being usable for commercial reasons and even human reasons. By the way, there's also applicability for things like medicine and things like that nature, but that's not the topic of this conversation. I want to make this useful for your audience, right? So Lisa, as it relates to the world of AI today, it's very much an early stage. And by the way, I want to introduce another kind of concept and way to look at this is we look at AI as artificial intelligence, right? But Carlos, when you and I were speaking the other day, you were saying, 
AI comes off to some people, maybe even the majority of, of people, as a threatening thing. Is it going to take my job away? Is it going to make me less useful or less important to my company or my role or whatever? I want you to think about AI in a different way so you'll embrace it from a mindset perspective. Think about it instead of artificial intelligence as augmented intelligence. Carlos, you actually gave me a great example. You were talking about a co-piloting sort of concept, right? And I, I know I keep referring back to this conversation we have, but that was a catalyst for all this, right? But so think of it as augmented intelligence. So even things like Google Maps, right? It's making you more intelligent because you're able to focus on driving to a location instead of having to figure out the best route. AI is figuring out traffic patterns, the fastest route to a, a place. So it's making you a better driver, arguably, right? And AI is going to make you a better sale, a better business person if you embrace it. Yeah. So, like, it's the way I'm trying to wrap my own little head around this thing is, and I know it's a lot more complicated than a calculator, but hey, calculators did not make us forget math. It'll, it's a tool that's allowed us to do much more complex math much faster. And if we can think of AI as being, like you said, something that's going to help us get through decisions, analyze data faster, like they co-pilot, I think it's a much more positive way to look at it versus, oh, great, that, you know, now no one's going to hire me to do addition and subtraction, right? It's The world's kind of changing in that way. Is that a fair way to think about it? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's going to make you run, as I like to say, make you better, faster, stronger if you embrace it and if you learn how to use it effectively, right? If you are intimidated by it, push it off the side, you don't want to learn about it, it's definitely going to be a headwind versus what it really should be, which is a, a multiplier, a force multiplier for you. Think about this. I mean, it's a really bad example, but I'll give it to you. Before cleated shoes were invented, how fast were athletes, right? Now, obviously, there's multiple dimensions of why athletes are faster today. But if the advent of just even the sports shoe is making the athlete be able to run faster, jump higher, do things that they, before cleated shoes were a thing, they were not able to do, right? So anything that you can do to leverage or augment your intelligence is going to be helpful. So you've got to embrace it. You've got to have a mindset that it is going to be a force impact multiplier for you. So if we take that one step further and say, what are some practical uses of AI at this level in business today? Because we're seeing all kinds of different things coming out on the internet, but where do you feel like people should really embrace this? Yeah. By the way, I was just at a conference where this was one of the key topics, one of many, by the way. It was an AI-focused conference of C-level executives. But let me just give you that, that list, Lisa. That's a great question, actually. So what are some of the practical use cases today with the level of, of where the AI is today and as it relates to business? So like, I'll give you, this, I'll, I'll, you know, a list. I think sales and marketing, definitely. Why? Because in sales, there's a lot of content creation. You're sending emails, you're receiving emails, you're writing product descriptions, you're writing case studies. So sales and marketing is probably one of the key areas. Legal. One of the things that I'm seeing is that, remember how you used to get red lines back from a customer or a customer gets red lines from you? You can actually use AI to analyze before and after states of, of contracts and also with specialized models, have a, a large language model focused on legal areas to be able to surface to you maybe key things that are missing in a contract that you might want to include. 
around things about like liability and things of that nature, property rights, things of that nature. So legal is an area that you can accelerate things. Remember how things used to get backed up in legal? Now you can have a cyber legal sort of agent that'll go through and accelerate that process. Service management, the area that I'm very, very focused in is uh, knowledge worker support. So AI is being used by our, our company to help our customers be able to shrink the mean time to resolution. You have a problem with your laptop, your VPN, or what have you. You need a piece of software uh, provisioned. Companies like Espressive that have not only AI, but automation are able to quickly deliver that and give productivity back to those users instead of waiting in line or waiting for IT or worse yet, you give them a how-to document how to do it. Can you imagine Carlos trying to load software on his laptop? I don't know. I don't think I'd want that. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so human resources. How many times have we had to wait in the past to, hey, I have a question about benefits or uh, some sort of company policy. You have to go find it or, or worse yet, email somebody. Now with AI, it'll respond to you with the latest improper policy response based on not only who you are, but where you're located. So these are things that AI is able to do. And then the last one that I'll mention, because it's a mouthful, is even sales operations. Sales ops can benefit immensely, immensely from AI because of just um, sales ops has gone to rev ops now, right, Carlos? So there's a lot of things that rev ops needs to do, provide insights, provide some sort of forecasting accuracy and things of that nature. AI could be that, that brain that can help you analyze a pattern. In Q2 of last year, our booking pattern looked like this. Now my booking pattern is, it's early in the quarter. Is this going to be like Q2 of last year, which is something that you always forecast? AI can help you do that instead of relying on your gut or, oh, in the past, it's always been this way. It's analyzing data that is really driving those numbers that give you a more realistic perspective. So now we've got to say the bad word because we got to ask you about what does this all mean for data privacy? Well, so it's not a bad word, and I'm glad you raised it because data privacy is absolutely something that we should think of anytime. You don't want any unintended consequences, right? So I'm going to try to keep this in such a way where it's uh, consumable. So, and I'll give an example. So data privacy, yes, top of mind concern. You should be concerned of it. If you're an executive embracing AI and you don't think about it, you're missing something that could potentially be very detrimental, not only to your people, but the company. So that's dimension one. So dimension two is as you're leveraging tools, you have to be cognizant of where that data is being used and how it's being used to provide whatever benefit it is to you. So for example, if you go, if you sign up and you get a chat GPT account, right, which is the most prevalent one, if you're using the public domain availability of that, there's a large language model behind that application. ChatGPT is the app a large language model called GPT. There, there's three, 3.5, four plus behind it. When you're conversing or interacting with that application, your data is now usable by them. You're, it's being used to train that model to make it better, faster, stronger in the future. By the way, I don't know if, a lot of, I don't know if you know this, but if you ask ChatGPT a question, it knows our response up to 2021. Did you guys know that? So I shared that with somebody the other day, and they go, I didn't know that. Hmm. Like, ask a question, Carlos, you're a former uh, tax guy. What are, we, you know, what are the 2023 tax or federal tax rates? It'll tell you, I don't know. I've only been trained up to 2021. So 
it was trained using data. So when you're interacting with it, it's using that data to now do things. If you're providing it source code and asking it to help you debug source code, that source code is now part of what it's learned. It's part of its library, right? So if you have anything that you consider proprietary or sensitive, do not submit it to ChatGPT, right? Just as a general rule of thumb, okay? Like, hey, my credit score <laughs> is X, Y, Z, and I live here. What do you think? <laughs> Stand by. <laughs> this could happen down the road. So what do you do about it, Lisa, right? You're saying, okay, great. Mm-hmm. So what do I do about it? You want to use tools that, that protect your data. So if you're an enterprise, you're using it for HR, you're using it for things like things that are proprietary in nature, so policy documents, information that you consider sensitive, do not use what is called a publicly domained LLM, large language model. You want something that is privately hosted for you, okay? That will avoid that situation. But if you're using generative AI for things like video creation, by the way, I should have mentioned that for sales, video creation, PowerPoint creation, as long as that PowerPoint doesn't have proprietary information, you're going to be okay using tools that are available at a public domain. Hopefully that wasn't too involved, but data privacy is in a very involved subject. And these things are intelligent and they are learning from the data that you're providing for prompting. So if it's sensitive, keep it in-house. If it's not sensitive, you can use a public domain. I may want to go back to it in a second, but you mentioned going to this conference recently. Were there any best practices, examples of how people are using AI today that we can kind of learn from or be amazed by? Yeah, so let me reshape that question a little bit, right? So why were they there? Why was there such a buzz? And by the way, the conference that I went to uh, was hosted in New Orleans, and it was not a huge conference. But what I noticed is there was a very high level of engagement, right? It's not like they were avoiding vendors. And by the way, I noticed that I went with my CEO, so there was nobody there from quote-unquote, we're technical people, all right? My CEO's uh, very, very technical. He's a technical founder. So what are some of the best practices? Everybody was looking actually for something very similar to the question like Lisa and and you've been asking me, and that is, how do I use this technology to accelerate my business? And they are asking for, how do I introduce scale into my business? How do I do more with same? How do I do things quicker? How do I do things more effectively? How do I take somebody that maybe doesn't have great communication skills and make them a better communicator, leveraging technologies like this. So they're trying to see all the different dimensions of value or benefit that this concept of artificial intelligence can be leveraged in. Because it's not just one area, as I just mentioned. Remember all those functional teams that I just mentioned? Sales, marketing, legal, sales ops, on and on, customer support, service management, right? So they all were looking for that. So some of the best practices, Lisa hit on the first one, data privacy. Okay, if I use this, what are the potential bad things that can happen to my data, right? What should I do about it? But they also are, they want to move fast, Carlos, but not to the point where they're so overly indexed on security that they don't do things, that they don't move. Why? So let me share this with you. Everybody is under pressure by their C-suite investors, CEOs, CFOs to embrace artificial intelligence. Like, we better have a plan for it. And then they thrust it upon CTOs, CIOs, COOs, and they have to have an answer like, oh, you know, what's my plan? 
So what are some of the best practices? They all walked away with understanding the different functional teams that can be helped. Secondarily, or what are some of the things that AI is going to help those functional teams are? So just to kind of tie it back to something tangible for you and your listeners, if you're going to write an email to a top-level prospect, this is right up your alley, Carlos, right? And some of the great prospecting things that I've learned from you, even though I don't prospect uh, anymore, but if you're going to send an outreach email or you're going to put together some sort of presentation, you can take data and then ask an AI tool to help you shape a message. And, you know, that's impactful. And you could tell it, I want to tell this in the voice of an executive in this position. So things like that are what they were looking for. You want me to share a really cool example with you? Yes, please. So I was in a meeting about a month and a half ago at a customer, right? And we were, the CIO could not attend uh, some sort of physical thing. I think she hurt her foot or something like that, right? But still joined the meeting. Very, very, very much engaged, right? We said, hey, let's record the meeting. Well, the people in the room couldn't figure out how to record the meeting, right? It happens, right? So I ended up recording the meeting on my phone. And I told them so about that. Recorded the meeting on my phone. So now at the end of the meeting, I have this MP4 formatted digital thing. In the old days, it was like before November, I would sit there and listen to this thing and transcribe the notes. Because during the, this meeting, check this out, the CIO gave her vision on what she was trying to do, the end state, and did a beautiful job of articulating it. Why, where she wanted to take it, more importantly, why, and the, the specifics of the swim lanes that she wanted kicked off, the initiatives, right? So all this was on this recording on my phone. I didn't have to tra transcribe it. What I did was I uploaded it to an AI tool that listened to the recording and then broke down and created a, a transcript with me for me the way that I wanted it. I wanted it bulletized into surface key initiatives. Think about how much time that saved me. We have now taken that transcription. I was able to share it with the customer success team. We have now created a strategic plan for that customer and we're accelerating through that plan. So think about what I just said there. I recorded something. AI trans transcribed it in the way that I wanted and not just like a core transcript. It surfaced, keep, it looked for initiatives, benefits and so forth. And it did. And I was able to share it with the team and now we're well ahead of that, working on them, that plan that if I didn't have AI, I wouldn't be doing that right now. So hey, Nelson, do you mind sharing us what tool you used to do that with? Yeah, I actually used ChatGPT on that one. And I also used another tool called Perplexity. Yeah, so those are just a couple of different examples of, of tools that I use for that specific. Now, so you bring up a great point, Carlos. There's all AI is not created equal. They're optimized for certain things, right? And there's a host of different tools that are optimized. Like for instance, Microsoft's got embedded into their applications now things that you could take just text and create PowerPoints from it, right? ChatGPT doesn't do that. If you go ChatGPT, you give it like a bunch of text, say, create a PowerPoint for me, it's going to say, I don't do that, <laughs> right? Or something to that effect, right? Not in my job description. Yeah. <laughs> Another great example that's uh, hopefully it's applicable for your team, right? So remember, not too long ago, a lot of vendors were out there selling tools to create a video that you would send to your customer to make it personalized. Like, hey, I'm Carlos, and I'm here to help you out with your uh, sales training and so forth and make them more effective. 
you can now take tools like there's a company called Synthesia. It's kind of a weird name, but I'll drop their name. Very doing extremely well. You could use this tool to just give it text. You write like a little script, give it to this tool. It will create a video using an avatar that looks very, very realistic. In fact, I was wondering if Lisa was one of those avatars a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> <Who's that? Lisa. laughs> so anyway, you can use Synthesia, give it a, a script, and it will, in a very polished way, create a video in seconds, right? And oh, by the way, let's say that you're prospecting to somebody who maybe is French or Cuban and speaks Spanish or somebody in Mexico. This thing will automatically translate it correctly into that language. And by the way, you could change the avatar. Cool. Seconds. Let's be conservative and say, I could have hair. Minute. Yes, (laughs) you can. And you can incorporate images and so forth. Guys, It not too long ago, you'd have to schedule time get a camera and you're, oh, I got to redo it. It's created for you with just text. Okay. Amazing. Dark side of that is something called deep fake. Don't worry about that. But this is something, again, you always said, Carlos, give me something that my audience can use. Can you imagine trying to do an outreach video quickly to somebody and just writing something and then having something like Synthesia ingest it and then create the video and you can now embed it? It's crazy. That's awesome. And it makes you more. Okay. So anyway, I don't remember the original question, but those are some tangible examples of how I've used it, how customers are using it. Like even uh, Expressive, our customers now are not just writing knowledge articles, but as Expressive now can, if Lisa calls up and says, I'm having trouble with my VPN, instead of her having to read like through a knowledge article, a we know who Lisa is in terms of configuration, it can actually put up a video that'll walk you through the steps on how to resolve something. It would have taken us days, if not weeks, to create those. Now we just write the, the knowledge article, have it ingested, the video is created. Now we embed it into our artificial intelligence to resolve your issue. Yeah. And all of us who have had to call support for whatever reasons in the past will rejoice because, my gosh, there have been times when I was like, what do I have to do to get someone on the phone for five minutes? <laughs> well, always like a sponsor, what we want to do is you don't have to go on the phone. You speak to our virtual agent or interactive and we try to automate the resolution rather than make you read something or watch a video. But not everything is appropriate for automation. So anyway. Right. And you mentioned so something I just want to kind of circle back on before we try to wrap up, because we could talk about this forever, because Carlos and I both find this fascinating. And you mentioned how it's important to have a plan internally. Like, how are you going to roll out access to AI? Like, what? how are you going to use it? And we don't want to skew too far to the negative, but what are some of the short-term risk factors that people should be aware of? Like, we've heard of companies actually shutting down access to ChatGPT until they get this plan in place. So like, what would be some of your recommendations for, you're just starting to explore this, what do you need to think about? That's a big topic. So let me quickly, you're absolutely right about some companies shutting it down. JP Morgan was publicly said, no, none of this, because you can imagine in arguably the most regulated industry on the planet, financial services, ChatGPT being used for a number of things. Medical is another one, right? In countries, by the way, Italy, Italy is a country said, no ChatGPT. I think that they've since rescinded that order. But yeah, so there's been a lot of that knee-jerk reaction. And they've said, we need to figure this thing out. That's why they go to these these conferences. Let me reshape that for you, Lisa, a little bit, right? So a couple things. And I'm going to borrow something my friend Carlos Noche is maniacal about. And that is start with a plan. What is it you're trying to achieve, right? What are the, the positive 
desired business outcomes you want. Start with the end in mind. I want to improve this. I want to make my people more effective at doing outreach. I want to be able to be more effective at forecasting, analyzing data. So start with what is the business problem you're trying to solve as opposed to buying a a tool and then going, what does this thing do? So think like a business person, right? And once you understand what are some of the key desired business outcomes that you want to drive, then you go about looking at the different tools and platforms that are available there, right? And then also throw another lens on it and start by looking at what functional team you're trying to address. Because some of these things that I'm mentioning, some of these positive desired positive outcomes would be horizontal in nature and could traverse across multiple functional teams. So let me recap that, right? Number one, start with the end in mind. What am I trying to make better? And if you don't have any ideas on that, attend seminars, read articles about business, positive business outcomes that are being driven by AI. So now that you know, I want to be able to do that, like I want to be able to have people find the latest HR policy, no matter who they are, where they are, and they get the right accurate answer. That's a business problem you're trying to solve. That will take you into a process saying, what platform or tools or vendors or partners should I work with, right? And then lean on that partner, always ask the question, how is this going to help me? When am I going to get the benefit? How much, what does that benefit look like? And then also ask the question, what are the risks involved if I use this? Okay. And then the last thing that I'll tell you, Lisa, and you actually kind of touched on it, whether you knew it or not, is also that you have to have a plan to roll it out. Carl, how many times have we seen in our careers where people in make investments in technologies and never realize the business benefit because they didn't think about how am I going to roll this out to the team? So you have to have already an, an adoption program as part of your technology initiative. Like enabling the field to actually even use it effectively. Get them excited. How's this going to help you? So they'll use it and then you'll create advocates. Look, and creating advocates is one of the tactics that you use or methodologies you use, but at the end, you're really trying to deliver results. Love it. All right. So we've all heard about AI getting bad data and from that making bad predictions or looking at the data a certain way in an effort to make a prediction, not getting it exactly right. Nelson, what might be some of the unintended consequences in using AI and how do we try to avoid that, I guess? So really, really good question. Because remember that AI still can hallucinate. I know you've probably heard that that term before, right? So just because you take something and you submit it into AI, using that example that I said about taking the recording and then having ChatGPT run through it and say, hey, here's what was said, I still read through it. I still reviewed it because if not, you're turning things over. So don't be lazy. I'll give you an unintended consequence that happened. There was a lawyer who used an AI platform that was focused on the legal to create a legal brief. It was very eloquent, but it stated precedence in the legal brief that never happened. Ah. That would be a problem. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what I'm saying is, remember when I said augmented intelligence, I want to tie that back versus artificial intelligence. You still want to take a quick look at it. If you're writing a an outreach email using leveraging AI, you might want to proofread it before it goes out, right? Because it may be referencing things that either are not true, that aren't part of your story, or aren't applicable, or worse yet, appropriate, potentially. So 
That's one thing is don't, by the way, you never use autopilot to land a plane, right? Pilots use autopilot for certain phases of the flight, certainly not landing the plane or they're taking off. So I'm drawing a, a correlation to that. Yeah, I'm laughing in my head because uh, I'm not admitting that this happened. But like if you were translating, for example, a common word in SaaS companies might be churn. And if you just let something automatically translate for you, they might translate churn to mantequero, which is a butter churner. I remember that. Yes. And if you're tired <laughs> and exhausted and don't read that over, that might be alarming when your coworker goes to read the slides in Spanish. I'm not saying that happened between me and Nelson, <laughs> but it might, maybe. I heard. It's just a scenario, an example. I do remember that fateful trip to Venezuela you and I were taking there. And, we, and I was insistent upon having the PowerPoints in, in Spanish and we were using dictionaries. Montequero made its way into the PowerPoint. But yeah, that's a great example, Carlo. <laughs> All right, maybe nobody will get to this part of this. All right, hey, last question on AI for me is, do you see it having, and I can guess the answer, but it seems it's going to have a tremendous impact in what we do, especially in how we sell. What's your view? It's going to completely transform the way you sell. Just real quickly, kind of a lightning round thing. It will definitely help you collapse the amount of time to research things, right? You can go on tools like Perplexity and ask, I would like information, find all the references to Acme Horseshoe as it relates to their revenue goals or strategic initiatives that they have published. Let's assume for the sake of argument that Acme Horseshoe is publicly traded, right? AI can go out and actually find those points for you. You could say and provide references where you found that. So researching prospective clients, learning about topics so you could be, you collapse the amount of time to learn about something. I think that that's actually one of the best ones. The other one too is summarizing meetings and so forth, right? It's drudgery. People are, it's hate doing that. You can use AI to do that. And then that will allow you to pull in your other teammates and so forth. And also reference them when you go back to your customer and so forth, right? I don't know if you guys have known this, but like I think within Microsoft Teams now, if you have a certain edition of it, if you join a meeting late on Teams, it will actually catch you up on what was said during the meeting. Wow. It's AI. Yeah, that's one of their co-pilot features. So if I am a rep or somebody and I'm late to a meeting, I can leverage that instead of having to go, hey, I may have missed this. Well, you don't have to miss it anymore, right? You're being updated by the co-pilot. And I'm not doing a commercial for them. But I'm just, again, sharing actionable things with your team, right? Uh, summarizing meetings, transcripts, and things of that nature. Being able to build PowerPoint presentations, Carlos, is something that companies are looking at to leverage more. I already gave you the video example of something that you can potentially leverage for an outbound product descriptions, things of that nature. Anything that's generative, anytime that you're writing something, you can leverage it. By the way, a very common use case that we use in our company is before we send something out, an email or something that may be strategic in nature, we'll run it through an AI platform to come back and say, evaluate this email and suggest changes, right? And you could say, I'm reaching out to a high-level executive in the tech field. Those are all called prompt engineering, by the way. When I say all those things, that's called prompt engineering. You get in what you, what you get out what you put in. So there's another great example. I mean, Carlos, we can go on and on about the way it's going to happen. But again, 
a rep being able to forecast their numbers more effectively using analytics versus guesswork, right? Hope casting, as you used to, you, you told me, right? But also for executives that are just trying to, again, make their teams more effective. Anything that you can remove out of a revenue capturing person's way, you're giving them more time at bat, right? More face time, more ability to deliver value to a customer. And by the way, it's going to make your customer facing people have higher value to their customer because they have insights rather than just a bunch of data. So and this is a very, very deep, deep topic. And there's so much that we can talk about there, but I'm just trying to provide tangible examples for you that you can use this as a way to go on and learn more. That's awesome. Some really great examples there. And of course, with what Carlos and I do for a living, I think immediately of mutual success plans or plan letters, because <laughs> that's one of the things that we come up against is, oh, I've got to summarize this meeting and put it in a mutual success plan. That's going to be so much work. Well, guess what? Click, click. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so look, you know, get familiar with prompt engineering a little bit. I know it sounds kind of geeky, but it's really because everything in this world now around AI is geeky for now, it'll transition. But how you ask a large language model, which is the technology behind AI, a question will directly result in the quality of the response that you get back. Makes sense. Just think about this. How do I get from Atlanta to Daytona Beach? You ask somebody that and they may give you, oh, you know, I jump on this road and that road. Say, look, can I get directions for to go from Atlanta to Daytona Beach where I avoid tolls, police, and I'm leaving at this time of the day, right? It may tell you to go around Jacksonville versus through Jacksonville, right? That's prompt engineering. Very cool. Very cool. So I got to ask you, usually there's a couple of questions we ask everyone at the end of our podcast, but I'm going to change one a little bit because as someone who's been an executive for years, you'd get prospected to, but now with the rise of AI and how it's changing the way we sell, are you able to tell when you're being, when you're getting an outreach from a human or an AI tool? Yes. Not always, but yes. It's almost like a baseball player being able to recognize a pitch, right? Yeah. If you're focused on it. So a couple of things. First of all, let's say the average SDR, not all, but a lot of SDRs are young, right? They're new to the game. And if they're extremely articulate in their writing, it's usually an indicator that something helped them be a little bit more articulate. And just so that's one thing. By the way, some I saw I got one the other day that was actually pretty cool. They told me it was an AI SDR prospecting. Okay. And then they said, I am a AI driven SDR and I'm making this outreach to you. Here's what we do and how we believe we can help you. Imagine if you could leverage this technology in your outbound, how you could scale and be more effective. I thought that was pretty clever. By the way, they're totally calling on the wrong guy because I don't know anything about sales, <laughs> which somebody missed the mark there on their analysis part <laughs> when they were targeting, right? So, hey, that's awesome. I learned from it, but I have nothing to do with revenue capture. <laughs> so good luck. But I thought it was, thought it was uh, clever. Yeah, I appreciate the transparency behind it a little bit, right? Especially since you... Well, yeah. if you're a revenue CRO or whatever, you're going, hey... I can have highly intelligent SDRs. And by the way, people aren't going to, some people will hate it. And some people will go, oh, that's kind of cool. They're thinking outside the box, using technology to articulate to me what they do. Yep. 
All right. So here's a closeout question. We call it Acceleration Insights. What might be that one piece of advice, Nelson, be it business, be it personal, that you'd love to share with our listeners that helps them be more successful? Yeah. Great, great question, by the way. And it's something that I kind of, you and I have made that there's a practice in our life to learn from smart people and people that are accomplished. The name that just popped in my head was like Bob Spinner. I remember asking Bob Spinner years ago, what's the secret to success? And I will share what he said, but I'll tell you what he said. He said, make your boss successful. <laughs> and be very, Sounds like Bob. Be very clear. You know, Bob, and if he's listening, you're going to say Bob. Super intelligent guy, and a very relatable sales VP and went on to be CEO and so forth. Okay, but back to your question. So I'm going to give you a concept that I think all of your listeners should really embrace, right? And you've heard the term, but I'm going to decompose it a bit. Growth mindset. In today's world, you have to embrace a growth mindset. And you guys could Google it, whatever, but let me just give you my, well, not my, inter- like I didn't write this, but the way that I've interpreted it. And the growth mindset is made up of a couple different things. Number one, it tells you to embrace challenges, right? Not avoid them. If a challenge presents itself, embrace it. And that means seeing challenges as opportunities, right? So a growth mindset, another characteristic of it is continuous learning. If there's one characteristic in today's world that you've got to have is continuous learning or you're going to be roadkill. Just in society, you'll be that person that's still using an AM radio in your car call which I know you still have one anyway. (laughs) So continuous learning, learn how to learn and learn how to leverage technology to help you learn. And that goes hand in hand with the ability to be persistent and resilient. So just in, in your line of work, Carlos, and what you teach, you teach persistence and getting better each time you reach out to somebody and how you go about your business. So again, growth mindset, embracing challenges, continuous learning, persistence and resiliency. And then the last one is seek out new knowledge, learn new things. And I'll give you one last example and then we'll wrap up here. And that is, so I was, I attended a webinar. Actually, no, it wasn't a webinar. It was a training session that our, that one of our investors wanted us to take, right? And I found this speaker very interesting. He's from somewhere in think the Netherlands. He was really indexed hard on mental models, right? So I'm like, okay, mental model, I kind of get what it is. He was talking about this, mental models. And he real quickly referenced this book called The Great Mental Models, Volume One. (laughs) Yes, there's more than one volume. So being the nerd that I am, I went and got the book. And it teaches you different mental models on how to learn different things, directions, gaining wisdom, and things of that nature. So I put growth mindset into practice right there. I went out, I heard something that can make me better and make it at least a little smarter. And I took advantage of what was shared and I put it in action. Amazing. Is that helpful? I would say there's a number of things you can take away from that. And Nelson, if any of our listeners was interested in talking to you more about these topics or, or really even just connecting with you, what's your preferred method of communication? Yeah, I mean, feel free to email me. So I'll spell it for you. The last name is a little wonky. I think it's on the screen here, but in case you're not watching it on video. So my email address is Nelson, that's N-E-L-S-O-N dot. Vega, and that's Velvia's a Victor, E-I-G-A, that's V-E-I-G-A, at Espressive.com. Let me spell that for you as well. Espressive is E-S-P-R-E-S-S-I-V-E. So it's like Espresso, Espressive.com. Perfect. Feel free to 
me and I'm more than happy to respond to you. And please check out our company's website at espresso.com. Excellent. Well, cannot thank you enough for your time today and all the insights that you shared with us and our listeners. It's been great having you on the show, Nelson. And it's great to meet you. I really enjoyed it. Carlos, thank you for inviting me. And Lisa, thank you for making this such an easy thing to do. I really enjoyed all aspects of it. So thanks. Glad to hear it. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. Please check us out at www.b2brevexec.com. Share this episode with your family, your friends, your kids, get them off screens for a little while. And you can subscribe through YouTube, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you really like what you hear and you're an iTunes user, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I am Lisa Schneer. I am joined by my podcast partner in crime, Carlos Noche. And until next time, we wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.